cliffcentral.com Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com Welcome to the Fashion Lab show. My name is Liz Ogumba Registrar, your host, and thank you for tuning in again to our Fashion Lab. Now, on today's show, we're going to be discussing and dissecting the topic around the impact of counterfeiting within the fashion industry. You know how it is affecting fashion brands. And obviously, we want to try to... to kind of maybe have conversations and see how we're actually managing um, this situation. We are joined by a variety of opinions from different stakeholders within the African slash global fashion industry. And I think that that's going to be um, really cool because obviously um, all of these conversations can help us sort of find a way to move forward. Personally, I think counterfeiting, especially in the African fashion industry, is, is just because we are so young. I feel like if it's not managed well, obviously... I feel like it could be one of the major crippling factors that's just going to pull us down. Anyway, on the contrary, according to Do Notice uh, International Limited, counterfeiting is a hugely successful industry, according to them. And especially nowadays where luxury seems almost absurdly unattainable for most of, you know, the brands, for most of everybody. They think that even this is a phenomenon that we can actually find in every sector. Some of the most counterfeited industries are fashion, obviously, and cosmetics. Um, now, it's believed that counterfeit fashion goods cost European brands around the value of 9.5, sorry, 9.7% of their total sales every year. Can you imagine that? 9.7% of their total sales each year is around that counterfeiting. Now, the percentage has obviously been boosted by the arrival of Internet and e-commerce also owing to the, you know, just I guess to just exposing these fraudsters to just like, let's go on a journey and let's see who we can rip. So taking back to the history of fashion counterfeiting, because I also love to always look and see how far does this go. All of these things that we are able to connect with, we are able to be influenced by within this industry as we grow as brands and, you know, just as the industry generally don't just like come like spring up like a mushroom. They actually have uh, been around for a while. Now, counterfeiting is as old as couture itself. In the early 1900s, fashion forgers often sketched designs they saw in Paris shows and sold reproductions in France and overseas. And by 1914, more than 2 million fake couture labels had been sewn into garments. Now imagine that was 1914-ish-ish. Anyway, I had an experience personally I want to just share in December which only brought this so close to home. I hear people fighting these things. I had brands and I see people like fighting their lives away. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what that really means. I kind of think I know. And as I'm chilling somewhere in Diani Beach <laughs> in December, um, enjoying the beautiful sea, uh, one of my buyers who's got a shop at the airport uh, in Oliver Tambo starts sending me messages and there's all of these pictures coming in and obviously I can look at them and I'm like, those are my boo-boo dresses. And as the pictures keep streaming, she's like, guess what? Then I see the price tag. These are actually um, rip-offs of my signature boo-boo dress and skirt, which is not very easy to rip people, I tell you. And here are the pictures and here it is going for 90 rand in some downtown shop and I literally had a heart attack. So... The reason I'm sharing this is because I'm sure a lot of brands out there have actually experienced uh, something similar. And for me, what I say is I'm not a Louis Vuitton, but at the same time, I'm also a creative. I'm also hustling. I'm, you know, putting a lot of time and passion and my soul into everything that I do. And finding people bootlegging it and ripping it apart like that is just heartbreaking. And uh, so I think for me, the reason I'm sharing, and I want to also open our lines and open our um, channels, especially on social media, to also just hear from you. I think what the focus should be more is not necessarily about, oh my gosh, this is what is happening. I think it's about, yeah, we now know it's happening. Now, how do we manage it? And I feel like before I delve deeper, I think um, one of the things I also say is business is business. And I feel like when you think about managing a crisis to be able to, I think the best way is to think about it in a way that you can actually monetize out of it. So you uh, sort of flip your problems into uh, opportunities. And I think that as managing a part of your fashion business, it's important to know when your attacker is at your doorstep, how to let him in without messing up your home. So kind of more like finding ways to allow the problem to become a complement in your space. Because, you know, looking at the weather, this 
thing is not going anywhere. We're going to have to find ways to manage it because if we spend more time screaming, remember this $3 trillion industry is going to just swallow us even more. So I think uh, before we move further, I just want to also um, introduce our contributors. We are joined by Morag Stein, who is our internationally accredited beauty consultant slash makeup artist. She'll be glamming up the show with her glam up for a dose of makeup and beauty tips. Uh, welcome to the show, Morag. Thank you so much, Liz. Very nice. Looking very simple today. What are you wearing and what's inspiring the look? Um, so it's a hundred degrees outside in Johannesburg. <laughs> so the, the inspiration is heat. Um, and yeah, just wearing a really simple dress. Um, you know, in a staple onset color, um, as we call it in the industry, black. Um, and a beautiful Keeping it simple. Yeah. Just a nice off shoulder simple and a nice rose gold gladiator sandal. It's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. And you, well, that's coming home with me. <laughs> it's like every week. Yeah, that's I, coming home. You, that's know, what coming I, you home. know what I'll do? I'll actually get you one of these. Thank these were some samples I was playing so, around with. So nice. And I think the print, uh, I love the fact that, you know, you've got this little black and white situation. It's not too floral. It's not too tribal. It's not too, it's just kind of a bit abstract, but it, gives me that little um it's also something that you can wear anyway yes and then i love the pop of color because Mm. black and white for me is too much on its own so i just always feel like i need to kind of inject uh some sort of a punch of color for those who are not uh wondering what i'm wearing i've got this beautiful jumpsuit it's a peep (laughs) bag it's got like a two two part peep bag series and it's just a beautiful jumpsuit my gosh i'm wearing jumpsuits a lot lately that was last week too wait where are you jumping to i don't know where i'm jumping to (laughs) but i want to also introduce our other contributor edgy benson with his echoes from New York. Edgy runs uh, NU New York, which is a fashion services company based in New York, uh, sourcing services to all of these fashion brands and houses. Edgy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Liz. How are you doing? We are we are great. Wow, you asked me how I'm, I'm right. doing today. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. We are doing great. Oh. Mark, how are you doing? I always yes. ask you, well, maybe in my heart. <laughs> maybe in your heart, Edgy. How are you? I'm good. And you? We are great. And what are you wearing? Skinnies. Today, well, you can guess I'm wearing skinny, but it's very, very, very indigo. Okay. <laughs> At least that's a nuance on you it. You have to tweet a pic for us, AJ, mm-hmm. we want to see. And uh, a shawl color cardigan I really love from mm-hmm. Rag and Bone. Is it, the, is it the one I'm I like, wanted? Is it the one I wanted to steal? Because there was one that just looked like me. I was like, I don't know how he's going that, with this that, one. that I'm saving for you. Okay, thank you. And I'm barefoot. <laughs> and you're barefoot. We love it, Edgy. Thank now, for those who are today, t- the beginning of Fashion Week in New York, so yes. I'm just kind of chilling before this storm. Yes, we'd love to also hear what shows you attend. Maybe we'll talk about that more next week when uh, everything goes a bit. Yes. Cooler yes. just to hear what's really going on there with the the fashion um, and the energy around Fashion Week. Um, yes. Now, for those who are tuned in um, for the first time, obviously this is the show that um, we call the Fashion Lab Africa, and we dissect the business behind fashion on this platform. And we love to have conversations with different stakeholders in the industry just to be able to see what is it that we are sort of dealing with and how do we move past it so we can actually move ahead and grow and develop our brands to the biggest brands ever. Um, keep your tweets coming at Fashion Lab AF. Share with us your thoughts around how we can manage what I'm calling a crisis. But like I said, from a business level, every crisis is an opportunity because it means there's got to be a way that we can work around um, this conversation we're having today. Um, now, I want uh, to just go ahead and introduce our special guests today. We're going to have a series of different um, conversations um, with different uh, sort of different viewpoints um, around this uh, <sighs> counterfeiting thing. And I'm going to start by rolling over to CEO of South Africa National Fashion Council. Her name is Anita Stanbury. I uh, had a brief chat with her, and this is what she has to say about fashion counterfeiting. Hi, Liz. It's great to get to chat to you again, and it's great to be here on Fashion Lab Africa. Um, the discussion you're having on counterfeiting in the fashion industry and how it's affecting fashion brands is a really interesting one. I know they say that imitation is the best form of flattery, but in this case, I don't think that the fashion brands feel very flattered. Um, this is really a problem that I've found for international brands where the product is manufactured in mass, and the possibility of their patents getting into the wrong hands 
Africans is extremely high. I know Levi's try to get around this by having uniquely coded studs, rivets, zips, labels, etc. But I'm really impressed with the way that um, some of the other top designers are dealing with this struggle around counterfeiting, where the likes of Tommy Hilfiger um, are taking it one step further by having unique product available for sale immediately after their shows, both online and in stores globally. And in this way, by the time someone has copied their latest range, they've already made the sales and moved on to designing the next collection. So I think my advice would be to young designers, don't get fixated on if somebody's going to copy you or not. I think you need to think about constantly being fresh and new and making sure that you're designing product that consumers want. And by the time somebody's copied your stuff and putting copies of it into stores, you should already be moving on and designing your next range. I hope that helps uh, with the discussion and uh, let's see if we can talk a little bit more about this. Anyway, Anita here from the South African Fashion Council and loving what you guys are talking well, that is Anita Stanbury and uh, Edgy, are you here with us? Yes, I'm here. I'd love to start with you. What are your thoughts around, uh, I mean, she made some really um, interesting comments and I just thought, wow, different ways to look at this counterfeiting. What is your take on, uh, what's your feedback? Um, I mean, she, she did strike a few points by, I mean, she was right on point by saying, um, you know, there's always this belief that it's it's flattering to be copied, you know, and and also she she captured this the new trend where people, the designers are going direct to market from the shows mm. just to counter this. But um, I think the bigger problem is not, it's, you know, when you say counterfeiting, sometimes it just it simplifies it as if people just copied your handbag, um, you know, and they may not even do a great job. But the real problem for designers is fast fashion, you know. Um, mm-hmm. they, they are, so they, they go to the runways. They, they lift styles right off the runways. The, the thing is that they, they offer these products at lower, at lower prices, but at surprisingly very high quality, you know. That is the, the, the real assault on, 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 on designers, you know. But I, I think in Africa, we're probably a little bit less, Worried by that. I mean, manufacturing. Well, how can we be less worried? (laughs) Well, the way I'm saying it is that we are we're probably better equipped to beat to beat it than here because in Africa, manufacturing is not. I mean, manufacturing qualities are not so high at such a at 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 such a mass production level that counterfeiters can just push your products out, you know, so you can still maybe catch up with them a little bit. But here you really can't. I mean, whether, I mean, I'm not joking, but I'm, I would say that companies like Zara, like H&M, uh, you know, these companies, they are so a little bit off the runway, but they are so close to the runway in terms of what they are offering, mm. you know, that you worry, okay, because if they copy you, I mean, they have the capacity to do mass so it means they have the, a bigger capacity to, to hurt you as a designer. So that, that's what I mean. I, I'm saying in Africa, people who copy you may not have the capacity to catch up with you or to, to, to affect you as much as they have over here, mm-hmm. you know. You know, um, it's such a, like I said, it's, this is such a tricky one. And I, like, again, I also say when I look at quantities, and it's good you're making that point and saying the bigger retailers like Zara, I mean, what we don't even want, I don't even know, even if we were to second guess how much they produce in a month worth of stock, mm-hmm. I we can't even count the numbers. It's, it's overwhelming. And for me, what I feel is that I still think that equally, it's like, you know, the industry here is so small. The quantities we produce, when I say I'm producing a lot, it means I'm producing a hundred pieces, a hundred per style, which is like, for some, no, I'm just saying like a hundred per style for 12 styles for me is like on the upper side yeah. because number one, it's not my, I'm not mass market really. But at the same time, uh, when you look at my production, my production costs as a fashion brand, and I look at everything and I smell the air and then I see who we are aligned by. When you go into the mall and you have Zara for there for 500 rand and then you have Liz for eight, they're just like, no, 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 no. Let me go buy five colors of Zara and they mm-hmm. live with five colors. So I'm saying the fact that we are on a smaller scale, uh, I still think is, is, 
is equally just as bad because even the people in town who are doing this, by the time you track them down, they obviously have a better s- uh, setup uh, than I do when it comes to their back end. So the fact right. that they can sell these pieces for 80, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. Okay. Mm. The fact that they can sell these pieces for like a tenth, a, a little, literally a tenth of what you're selling it for and sell it in masses and they have so much stock means they're still we are we are almost in the same situation with the bigger dogs um on on the on the flip side but anyway you know uh, yeah go ahead no i was going to add something mm-hmm. you know sometimes when you when they say counterfeiting or fake or whatever mm-hmm. it's for the designers it's not actually the product though because where the where the fast where the fast fashion people really kill designers is when they take the trend when they take trends, so much energy and effort the trends, you know, like yes. when they capture the trends, yes. like the designers spend so much time and energy in, 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 in like, so there's a trend, yes. maybe a, a cropped jacket or something. So it's not like you're being copied completely, but the idea is lifted off the runways, you know, and nuanced, you know, and, and so it's, it's a very easy and cheaper alternative, but great quality alternative. Uh, you know, to the buyer, and that's that's value uh, that they are offering, which the designer can't match. You know, um, so the, it's just the, the taking of the idea itself is is a big, big, big deal. Not just copying the product. Yeah, completely. yeah. Yes. And my my thing is, I understand that there's influence where you can say this is my mood board. This is some of my. This is what I'm working with this season. Influence. I'm not saying copycat, like copy paste. Mm. The copy paste is what's yes. killing us. Copy. Mm-hmm. When you have my same same skirt or my same same dress hanging on your rug for a tenth of my price, and it's it is same edgy to the T, that is wow. disgusting. That is just crippling. You know what? Actually, before we cry, let's just roll over. <laughs> I want I want to roll over to Namibian fashion designer Nicola Conradi. Um, I met her at the Moda Africa in Lisbon, and she's doing some beautiful work. And uh, I also it was it was interesting because I don't really know what the weather's like. When I say weather, I mean the climate, the mm-hmm. fashion climate in Namibia, and how things are happening, and how the industry is moving and growing. But this is what she has to say about um, this conversation we're having today. Hi, Liz. Um, thank you so much for the question. Um, well, counterfeiting is really big, like especially here in Namibia, because people like to be um, wearing the same designs as uh, the celebrities abroad. And, 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 and for designers here to make money, they take on anything, whether it's like a picture of, of the exact same copy and, and, and that's bad. It's it's like replica, like a replica of what has already been designed. And and for a designer, that is illegal. I mean, we are creative in our in our industry, and we cannot um, we cannot be able, we cannot do the same thing done by another designer. That is fake. It's forging someone else's design. So um, because here. It is about making money. So designers here would do basically anything just for that. Like they would do anything to get the money, whether it is making the exact same copy. It is it is the reality of, of the matter because um, here people don't like trusting designers. They don't like trusting designers to come up with their own original design and, and making that accordingly. So it's it's really tricky. Um, um they smile to the bank knowing that they got money, whether it's someone else's design or not. Um, the thing is here, they, I would, I would call most of the designers here, um, seamstresses because they're just re- like making a replica of what has already been designed and what has already been, been shown. Because here, if you're, if you're not trendy, if you're not doing what celebrities are wearing or, or then, people don't want to wear it so that is the reality of the matter so it's you really have to just like be well just like distinguish yourself like different from everyone else and and only do what you do like the designs you have in your mind is what you are going to do for the client and that's supposed to be as legit as possible because you are the the, the designer 
at the end of the day. So in my mind, it's that um, I do what I design. Like my designs are, are 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 different in a way. So people don't come to me with things like 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 pictures of they want to look like a celebrity for an event or to have matching outfits and stuff like that. So it's really it's really tricky. It's really tricky. F- here in Namibia especially because here people want to look trendy and they want to look like people in the States look. They want to wear the exact same thing the people in the States are wearing and that's and that to them is showing that they are in fashion. So um, it's really tricky. I, I won't lie but this is a big issue in Namibia so I, I'm putting it out there because it, it is a concern. People don't understand the difference between a seamstress who has no cre- creativity. The, sh- the a designer is so different from a seamstress. Seamstress can just make a copy, and it is legit for a seamstress to make a copy, but for a fashion designer, it's not. So um, that is my view on counterfeiting in the fashion industry. Hmm. Guys, thank you very much, Nicola. Nicola sounds like she's about to cry, but I'm not even mad at her. Yeah. <laughs> she's edgy. Yeah, Do you know she, how sad I feel? <laughs> she opens a whole new window to it, though. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And her window is so different. And the fact that, you know, she says the whole influence is that, you know, again, back to, I think for her market, the problem also means that the consumer is not confident enough in what the local brands or the African brands or the brands within the space are able to, to offer. Because the only way, the only reason you'll be ripping up stuff and peppers, I mean, whoever's ripping, first of all, Africa, if you're still ripping those peppers and taking them to the designers, please stop. And then designers, if you're taking those pieces of paper and trying to make them look like Kim K, please, whatever Kim K is wearing, go buy it. <laughs> no, seriously, go buy what Kim K is wearing. Mm-hmm. Find out which the, which one the brand is. That's the only way to, if you say you're authentic, you're stylish, please sit down, Charlie. Stylish is go buy it from the source. Oh, I'm sorry if there's bootlegs. I don't know. They're available. Stop harassing designers and making them lose focus. Designers are creatives. Everything's coming from inside. Let them give you what they have. Like she said, she doesn't deal with that. She's like, please, hit the road. <laughs> Jack, no, don't you come think, back no more. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, you know, Liz? Yeah. She does, she does validate uh, the point that you made about someone calling you from the airport, you know? <laughs> so, like, the, you can see that the impact from the African side is actually maybe harder on the African designer than, on, than designers here. Mm. Because the, the people in Africa are copying the idea that they're copying the product directly. Mm. They're not copying the idea. While here we're dealing with people who are copying the idea, nuancing it. So, sometimes it might not look like such a direct competition mm. it just looks like a general idea of what the trend is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. for the season mm-hmm. but in in africa you have to deal with someone who actually lifts you, the product from you as is and makes it as is and mm. sells it sells it as is i mean that that i can see being a real a harder problem mm. mara what do you think Based on, no, like, based on her feedback. Oh, yeah, like. it's it's so crazy. Um, and, and I get what she's saying because, um, you know, and, and Liz, and I'm sure you can relate to this, not only being a designer, but, you know, for someone like us who's over six foot, um, it is difficult to walk into a Zara or into a general store to get clothes that fit our, you know, that fit our leg length. <laughs> so I'm often at a seamstress, um, you know, getting stuff made. And of course, like, you know, I, I'm looking at clothes on the runway saying, gosh, it'll be, this will be great, you know, but also being in South Africa, we don't always have the access to runway clothes, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, you know, I'm going to admit to once or twice having got inspiration from a, a runway outfit, but obviously you cannot copy it exactly. Exactly, because firstly, you don't have the patent to copy know, it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and it seems just as Nicola was saying, it seems just doesn't have that sort of. I don't want to say that capability, but that sort of um, leverage to copy something. So, I think you know, it's it's just unfortunate that when it happens, that's it's really unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yeah. All right, I want to roll over to fashion blogger Ruan Skippers, and this is what he has to say. Um, also, based on the fact that he's working in the business, he's dealing with the lot of brands and he's also watching this uh, situation here and trying to figure out what do we do next counterfeiting is as old as couture itself 
In the early 1900s, fashion forgers often sketched designs they saw on the catwalks in Paris, and they sold reproductions of these across the globe. By 1914, more than 2 million fake couture labels had been sewn into garments. So what exactly makes the counterfeit industry such a lucrative market? It's pretty simple, actually. Luxury items have become so absurdly priced that the average individual would much rather purchase a knockoff. But is it really that absurd? Because what most people don't understand is the absurd amount of time, effort, passion, and the crafting that has gone into creating a product. You are paying for that passion, the thought process, and ultimately the creation of a product that appeals to your sense of style. We live in a world that promotes instant gratification, and people have forgotten what it means to aspire to want something. Instead, they would much rather purchase a product that appears similar, but is far from it, made from substandard material and mediocre craftsmanship at best. I find it heart-wrenching that people would demean themselves in this way by supporting counterfeit products of a second-class nature, especially because I believe each and every one of us deserves the best, especially when you work hard and aspire to adorn yourself in a brand that sets the standard. So as a brand owner, how do you protect yourself from counterfeiting? The short answer is you can't, but that doesn't mean that we're going to allow it to happen. Instead, I found, by, I found that by educating myself on the quality and craftsmanship of my product, I was able to then educate the customer on the value add in purchasing a Fazar original garment from my boutique at my asking price. Knowledge is power, and we live in a society where self-expression is meant to be flaunted. So why the hell not flaunt the best you? To that, I say raise your glass, and if not, raise your standard. All right, so I just want to really uh, just um, reintroduce. That was not Ruan. <laughs> that was Ridwan. So Ridwan Sudar, who is the fashion designer slash creative for Fazar, which is a, a, a he's got a brand, is um is just you know he's just holding it down and just also sharing his sentiments. And uh, Edgy, you heard that. What, what's your thought before I <laughs> before I delve in? I think I, you know. Look, he sounds. I mean, he's he. That's the problem as it is, but. I think we have to look at the problem along the lines of what's creating the problem and what, what makes it easy for a, a counterfeiter or a copier to succeed. Manufacturing qualities all around the world are improving so much. So it, it means that you can actually, yes, we can, we can, we can say our brands, our styles are this. I think what counterfeiting is doing is also forcing designers to look inside. Look, Value is, is a driving factor, unless people have a lot of money where value doesn't matter anymore. But if this, because manufacturing is great, it's, it's catching up across the world, qualities are great across the board, these copies look good, <laughs> and the price is fantastic, <laughs> you know? People are going to gravitate towards them. So we have to really face the problem. Maybe with pricing too high. And encouraging counterfeiting. I yeah, mean, it's but, a but hold on, Edgy. But hold on, Edgy. On the pricing too high. Hold on. There's no way. There's unfortunately, when you look at what the factories are charging here, what the price of fabric is here, and that's why sometimes we want. To, well, sometimes I want to run away to the other side, but then I'm just like so Africanist. I'm like, let me keep my feet grounded here. Let's just go hustle and let's die hard. I'm a die hard, but I'm a die hard. But also, when it comes to business decisions, what we are producing it for. The market rates when it comes to what people are spending on even just fabric alone. When you look at your back end when it comes to production, there's no way that you're going to be able to be in competition with Zara and be smiling to the bank. We should ask Mr. C because he, this is a whole different, um, I think it's like I said, if the pricing, if the maybe the back end was something that works and is so accessible, Hence, mm. pricing is down when it comes to manufacturing, when it comes to your fabric, when it comes to even your basics, when it comes to just the development process from patterns to like grading. I'm looking at my pattern and grading bills. I'm about to have a heart attack, but I'm like, you have to finish the process. You've started, you finish. So I think uh, just go on. I mean, I want you to continue with what you were trying to actually, what point you're trying to make. But I just want you to remember that it's this is not even a choice at this point. People yeah, are putting in their pricing based on 
Otherwise, why are you even in business? Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is that um, often the, the workers or the laborers are badly exploited um, when it comes to counterfeiting. So it's just it's a vicious circle. You know, it's it's just sort of repeated exposure. Um, and also, you know, counterfeiting, um, it's leading to petty crimes. Um, you know, so there's such a huge, a bigger picture for me that I feel, you know, coming to China, um, into Africa, that it's not only about the counterfeiting. It's about the laborers that have been exploited. It's about child, child labor. Um, you know, it's, it's all these things. There is a bigger picture. It's not about just going to buy, you know, one of Liz's copies for 90 Rand. It's mm-hmm. not about that. Mm-hmm. There's a huge picture, you know, and yeah, I yes. think that's what the problem is as and, well. And to, and to add on, okay, <clears throat> go ahead, Adrian. No, I think what I was trying to, what I was trying to look at is, as a designer, though, this is a huge problem. And how do you how do you approach it? Mm. The, the the big problem we have with approaching it, or you can say, well, the counterfeits are they're not going to be good quality. He will come back, but they're good quality. So <laughs> how do you? Unfortunately, it, yeah. So how do you deal with it? You know, and in Africa, it's, the the systems are a lot a little less sophisticated. Where here, it's a, a little. Maybe a little easier for the designer to compete in in Africa because the the, the consumer is all, I mean here because the consumer is also very educated about the product about what they like you know so there's brand loyalty in Africa you don't have this so you, tackling this you, hold, hold on Edu in Africa you have brand loyalty you also have consumers who are so empowered because there's a very mm-hmm. big group of uh, consumers who are African. Uh, they mm-hmm. are well exposed. They travel a lot, whether it's through work or just through choice. And mm-hmm. they understand their brands in a way that when they're buying a Zara and they need to buy a Liz O jacket, they already know. It's not even a joke. It's like they mm-hmm. understand quality. They understand. So there is a big emerging market of African, uh, consumers who live here. Or even just mm-hmm. people who live here who are consuming and can understand that this is why I buy a Louis Vuitton. This is why I buy this. When you look at price points, if you have a 25,000 rand jacket, is it worth it? Or should you buy it at diesel? Or should you buy it from who, what, what, you know, like everybody who's consuming in within my circle already know mm-hmm. their quality. Mm-hmm. They know price points. And they also understand what I love is they're starting to be a bit more forgiving, knowing that I'm going to buy that dress uh, from Liz at eight or from John or whoever it is at 800. Uh, however, I'm going to buy a similar piece, slightly similar, same bracket at five for Zara. But I will put in that extra three for Liz, not because they, not because they, they are stuck, just because they understand that production and manufacturing here is not cheap. So the local or the African brand who's producing locally is actually spending more and still not even making those margins. So what I'm saying is the consumer is quite educated here. I, I, I see. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But, but, you hold that thought because I want to just quickly run and roll over to Alina Missouri, who's the founder of ASM, uh, and she obviously works a lot with, uh, especially upcoming fashion brands. This is what she has to say. Good day. My name is Alila Silwani, Missouri, from ASM Fashion Consulting Agency. Yes, um, I do work with uh, designers in terms of development, uh, business development, skill skill in terms of business um, for their brands. Yes, um, the topic today, counterfeiting. I think, you know, we, we really are facing a huge problem when it comes to that, even though we can say that... Um, in Africa and uh, South Africa, we have creative designers, you know, who come up with creativity every time, whether it's like your summer, their winter collection, there's that uh, creativity that is there. But the challenge still lies with the fact that even though people can steal that um, that uh, design, you know, it still says that that's um, a knockoff. In a way, you know, so we cannot be dealing with knockoffs because knockoffs are actually taking away from growing the economy, from also making sure that those that actually come with that creative mind to produce something that is uh, uh, that can make business that can make their business grow and have like some kind of signature of what they're known for, you know. And imagine as a designer having to do something from scratch that's your 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 intellectual property, you know, and. Then the next thing you've seen it in another shop at the lower price. It just really um, 
demotivate some of our creativity, some of our designers, you know, business-wise. We need to do away with it. We need to find, fight it in, in, in any other way, you know. So um, I'm saying that, you know, we need to come together as the industry, whether it's the music industry, the fashion industry, we're facing the same challenges. So it's very important that we stand together and fight the, the, the knockoffs. I mean, really, down with it. Guys, that's a fighter. Don't even come with the rubbish around her. She will throw you out. 100%. <laughs> Alina is very passionate about the industry. She's been playing this game for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you hear her, you can actually hear her passion is just to listen. We're not going anywhere. Nothing's going to change. Move. We have to fight it. Mm-hmm. We have to find a way. I want to now roll over to the one and only, <laughs> the real <laughs> Ruan's keepers. When it comes to counterfeiting in the fashion industry, Africa itself, it can be quite a touchy subject. Well, first of all, I myself experienced that when I bought something that I really, really liked that I thought would be such a great fashion statement for myself, only to discover that it was copied from a different store and a different designer. And that just really made me feel so sad. And the only advice I could give for, you know, young designers out there in the fashion industry, you know, be unique and true to yourself. Because by doing that, your clothing will sell and your brand will stand out and you'll be unique at all times. So, you know, just don't copy people. Just be unique and be different and always, always just follow your heart, you know. Like someone just said to me the other day, you know, your journey begins with ends. So follow your heart and I promise you, your designs will always shine through. And copying other people, it just doesn't work in today's times. Wow, guys, that is Ruan, and he's just like, mm-hmm. listen, keep it real. And the worst thing is when you actually buy a piece, edgy Morag, I'm sure you can relate to that. I'm sure it's happened to all of us. You buy a piece, and then you go see you it somewhere like, else. Eek. And then you, 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 all, you even don't know who, who are you wearing at that point, because you kind of are like, oh, my gosh. It's very, uh, it's embarrassing, but also I think it's just hard on the brands. Um, we're going to be joined also by Nicola Cooper. Um, we're going to uh, pick her mind a bit um, around, uh, you know, this conversation um, because of the fact that she comes from uh, a space uh, uh, that, you know, that kind of touches um, in all aspects, fashion, everything, especially here in the continent. And uh, so we're going to plug her in. But before we plug her in, I'd just like to invite you, Morag, to come in with your glam up. Let's glam up a bit because people are getting sad. And then we're going to come up and wrap it up. I'm, with I'm sad. <laughs> you know what? Um, all I can say is really just wake up and don't fake up. That's that's my, my motto for today. Um, and I hope that you're all ready to go down this dark tunnel with me for Glam Up today. But before we go down this dark tunnel, um, my lipstick color for the week is Lavender Jade. I'm wearing it today. I have actually Instagrammed a picture already. It's just the most beautiful lip color. Um, I'm literally obsessed. I think I'm going to sleep with it on tonight. Um, it is from MAC Cosmetics. It's a new color that they've launched. The texture is matte and it's a stay in line product so you will be able to get it all around the world which is fabulous um and liz you also wearing it so i mean it really looks great on any um you know on any skin tone so can i you know just what? have it so mm. i can put a touch up can i touch yes up yes yes sure sure um you know we all know that counterfeit beauty products aren't new people have been knocking off popular brands for years and years and years um but you know what what if I could tell you that you could buy MAC makeup very cheaply online? Um, like really, really cheap, you know? Um, you could buy Ruby Woo lipstick for less than $2 a piece. Um, would you buy it, Liz? <laughs> I was going to say, please send us the link. And then let me share the link with my networkers. They'll, okay, they'll, they'll so, love me. <laughs> so here, the, here's the trick. So if I tell you that there really should be alarm bells going off that something doesn't sound right when a MAC lipstick is really that cheap. Um, you know, when we go to websites like AliExpress, you'll find plenty of such makeup. The scary thing is that most sellers don't even mention the words genuine or authentic anymore. They pop up photos um, of their products with a proper brand name printed on them and the product um, you know it's the original thing in the picture but then it's really up to you to decide where, whether it's real or not um, you know the, the popular items um, are your MAC your Dior Chanel especially Urban Decay Naked Palettes um, they look pretty damn authentic let me tell you that um, you know the packaging um, for the rest of the product especially the I've noticed for the MAC and Chanel they're always riddled with spelling mistakes at the back um, and the products <laughs> do smell a little bit funky um, I remember about six years ago when um, I was actually working on a MAC counter in store the customers would always bring in counterfeit products and want to exchange the 
them because you know they weren't obviously now working or, or doing the same thing as a as the authentic product um and then you know the customers would really get like annoyed with us and up in arms um when we were telling them listen it's fake um you know it's not authentic um so you know i really worry more about those who purchase these so-called genuine lipsticks mascaras etc um you literally consuming um you know the makeup and you don't know where it comes from or what you're putting into your system so i think you know um with clothing um, or garments, it's a little bit different, whereas with makeup, you it's actually a health risk, um, you know, if I can put it like that. So let me just enlighten you regarding some of the ingredients, um, you know, these special, fabulous ingredients in some counterfeit makeup products. Um, so number one is human urine. Yay, just what I want on my face and on my lips. Um, you know, um, counterfeit fragrances are commonly, commonly, commonly known for containing um, urine. Um, and also, um, you know, it's all these phony perfumes that you buy on the side of the road, um, et cetera, in stalls, in markets, Thailand, Bangkok, these places. Um, and they have actually been <laughs> tested. Sorry to say that. Stop knocking. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's obviously um, makes them a little bit unsanitary and obviously, um, you know, um, spreads germs. Um, secondly is paint stripper. Um, according to Daily Mail, paint stripper has been found in some of the counterfeit mascaras and liquid eyeliners. Um, as we know, Paint stripper can be found in all hardware stores and it's meant to be handled with extreme care. Um, it's obviously a hazardous product. So, you know, can you imagine if you're putting this on your eyes um, or you're breathing it in? It can cause skin diseases, um, damage to your brain, nervous system and internal organs. And it's obviously not something you want to put, you know, on around your face. Um, the third thing is rat feces. Just what I want on my face once again. Can you imagine some nice rat feces powder? Fabulous. Um, so obviously, once again, tests have been done. Um, and, you know, it has been revealed that the special ingredient has been found in counterfeit makeup, um, obviously due to filthy work conditions. Um, I don't need to go into detail about why we shouldn't be putting this on our face, but obviously bacteria, germs, um, you know, and you don't want to be putting that into your system once again. Um, aluminum. So high levels of aluminum have been found in some counterfeit cosmetics while people are turning away from the traditional deodorant. So, I mean, if you're thinking we're not using deodorant because it has aluminum in it, why would you want to, you know, be putting counterfeit makeup on your face? Um, it's obviously a neurotoxin. Um, indigestion can, ugh, indig ugh, ingestion can lead, um, obviously to bone disease, fatigue, memory loss, um, things like dementia, etc. It really does affect your, your brain, which is why many people are moving away from it. Um, chemical burns, obviously, um, so, you know, chemical burns, I don't need to go into detail with that, but once again, obviously from powders, etc., it can actually burn your skin, especially beauty products, um, so your serums, etc. And then mercury, um, which is found in um, eyeshadows. So mercury, it's obviously um, found naturally in the Earth's crust. It's highly, 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 highly toxic. You can die from this. Um, and then, of course, E. coli, um, which is found in lipsticks. Um, I don't need to go into detail with that. But also eye infections, um, you know, there's things like arsenic that have been found in the product and then obviously skin rashes and skin irritations. As I mentioned, um, you know, costs um, in countries, it does affect the economy. Um, and then, as I said before, is um, the working conditions. You know, the workers are exploited. Um, it's often, often a very poor working environment. Testing on animals comes in here. Um, you know, so it may be fun to see these makeup, um, you know, all these sort of makeups in stores. You may think that you're buying a real great bargain, but I strongly wouldn't advise you to buy any of them. Um, your health and well-being is too important. So please take care before you, you know, hopping onto AliExpress or, or eBay, not to, to down them or anything. But yeah, it, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Um, once again, I'll be posting up everything on my blog and you can follow me on all social media platforms at Moragstein. That's M-O-R-A-G-S-T-E-Y-N. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Morag. And I just want to extend that, that mm. If clothes were to burn, if you bootleg, if you got a knockoff <laughs> and it were to burn, maybe that would be our solution. Yeah. I wonder if we could maybe start. Like the ink had to run into your skin <laughs> and give you like a skin 
disease or something. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you very much, Morag. That's Morag with her glam up. Um, now we want to roll over to Nicola Cooper. Um, Nicola is uh, our senior trend analyst who's been specialized. She specializes in localization. And for those who've been tuned into the show, you've actually may have heard some of her reports. Um, welcome to the show, Nicola. Thank you so much, Liz. Nice to be here. Nice to nice to have you on as well, and thank you for joining us. What are you wearing before we go straight <laughs> into your thoughts around this uh, conversation? <laughs> I I'm wearing sort of an an old favorite of mine, which is a kind of chiffon dress with um, hand beaded tiny gold crosses all over it, and um, some kind of vintage heels um, at the moment. <laughs> it's very nice. We'd love to see it. So if you're being creative, you'll, ha- you'll have to figure out how to send us that picture because we'd love to tweet that or share, <laughs> share that on Insta. <laughs> but yes, but, but Nicola, um, you've had our conversation so far around counterfeiting and, uh, you know, what it's doing and how I feel it. To personally, I feel it's a, it's a cripple to our market, especially the African market. Um, what are your thoughts and what are you actually, what do you foresee uh, happening and what is what are your thoughts around this? Well, I mean, counterfeiting has been around for sort of eons. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that there is any opportunity to make it stop completely. Um, I do know that some of the major fashion houses, such as uh, Gucci, are choosing not to do runway. Um, and to only show to a limited amount of the customers. Sure. Um, what they're also doing is um, only allowing for product to go in store when it is actually launched mm. um, to reduce knockoffs and yeah. counterfeits. So it's it's quite interesting. And, I mean, Versace's also taken a little bit of a turn towards that. They're also moving away from runway shows. Um, They're only inviting, um, again, a small niche um, sort of media family Mm. and um, their loyal consumers. So what we're seeing is many, many sort of high fashion brands are adopting a way to take it away from media until they're ready to drop the product. Um, And then once they've dropped the product, I don't think there is not going to be a counterfeit, but at least the counterfeit is delayed. Controlled, yeah. Wow. Yes, controlled. And I think they're taking stronger measures to control that kind of situation. However, it's not going to stop cheap knockoffs. And and I have to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here um, when it comes to the fashion world and it comes to sort of the every person is that at the end of the day, I cannot afford an 80,000 Rand Gucci handbag. <laughs> so no, there, will be, there will be some kind of derivatives of that style because they are gatekeepers and influencers in the fashion mm. world um, and, and really have risen to a really strong role within the fashion world over the past two years with the changing of creative directors. Um, so – it trickles down onto into all the various price points, and that's really where a trend is made. Um, and you know, if it is controlled just for the elite that can purchase an eighty thousand rand ham, handbag or a you know a thirty thousand rand pair of shoes, that's all fine and well. But then it keeps fashion completely elite. Yes. And yeah. that means where where is the the kind of middle ground? Because they don't do ready-to-wear. They don't do fast fashion. So if someone likes the brand, they've just got to sort of stare at a picture and drool over it. Like, what is the... What about you know, what happened to collaborations with smaller brands, Nicola? What happened to collaborations? I was just going to go there. So um, Louis Vuitton has just collaborated That's with Supreme. Supreme. Yes, that's so a big, that's a big really news in the market. Exactly. So this is where high-end fashion brands have to go because kids on the streets want these brands. (laughs) They desire it. It's aspirational. And, yes, they may be a little bit more expensive than anything else, but it's becoming a little bit more accessible. You know, and then we see Balmain collections for Mm. H&M, Kate Moss collections for Marks & Spencers, and that's ways to get brands into Stores that is affordable, so and that will prevent knockoffs. 
And that will yeah. prevent counterfeiting in a lot of ways because people will be able to buy something of that designer at their sort of price point. Wow. Nicola, thank you for your um for your um feedback. <laughs> it's uh it's this one's a very hard one. Um and it's nice to also um kind of just pay attention and see what else is going on around the world. Uh and then just kind of try to figure out how to manage this, especially for smaller brands um, in the continent. Um, and I say this because we have so much competition, you know, and when you think about the consumer behavior, we had Nicola from Namibia talking about the fact that everyone wants to literally rip off something off of somewhere. No one wants the true soul of, say, what Nicola's offering or what whoever's offering. But you know what, guys? Uh, Nicola, thank you so much for your contribution. Um, how can our listeners connect with you? Um, they can connect with me on social media um, for Instagram and Twitter. It's at Nicola Coop. And um, if they want to follow our Facebook page, it's Nicola Cooper Trains. Thank you very much. Before you go off, uh, I would love us to just do this. Who would you want to dress and why? It's going to be a very quick one. Gosh, this is like popcorn these days. It's not even a glass of wine anymore. But anyway, we're going to start. We're going to start with uh, Morag. Morag, who would you want to dress and why today? Um, um, I'll dress you today, Liz. <laughs> and why? Um, you know why? Because I haven't chosen you for a very long time. Um, and I see you, you've changed your hair and I want your old hair back. Um, and I'd like to do a really, really hectic editorial photo shoot with you. So I'm, in, I'm inspired. Why. I'm touched. I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Edgy, who would you want to dress and why besides you, Nicola and Morag? Oh, you can't rob me. No, besides none of us. Come, come, let's go. (laughs) Well, I mean, he can choose you and then he'd be counterfeiting. I was going to go for Morag. Okay. 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 In your in a, in in Liz in Liz's new skinnies that are coming up, I, think, I, I mean I saw an image of her in them and I loved them. Ooh. I would love to. Yes, yes, that would be good. Yes, in all and the I shades. need some. Yes. yes, yes. Okay, good. We'll let you slide because you're giving me favor. <laughs> Nicola, who would you want to dress and why today? Um, I'd love to dress uh, Grace Coddington, who's the creative director for Vogue. Mm. Um, she's the lady with the really, really bright orange hair that is mm. Anna Winter's sort of right-hand <laughs> woman. Um, she's just so um, so out there and, and so um, unafraid that I think I could have some fun with her. Wow. Thank you. Now, for me today, I want to dress Nicola Cooper because I haven't seen you for so long. And uh, just describing what you were wearing today just reminded reminded me that I need a session with you. So my doors are open. Just make your appointment. Come through and let's have fun with some fashion. I think you'd wear my stuff really well. Uh, but otherwise, uh, for those of our listeners who are tuned in, uh, we are on www.fashionlabafrica.com. Share your thoughts around this and let's not make it a... Let's, now that it's a crisis, let's try to find a way to handle it like a business and try to find in a way better ways of how to to really just smile to the bank and find a way to manage it um otherwise thank you nicola thank you edgy for your contributions which are always highly appreciated and your insight and thank you to all of our contributors who've also just uh, contributed to the show and morag thank you very much we thank love so glam much. up because we want to feel glammed up thank you peace and love until next week fashion lab on cliffcentral.com cliffcentral.com